0: Hello, Ivan. Welcome to the latest episode of Unlearn series. Every week, we bring you the best of the world of HR and learning and development. Unlearn episodes started with a very straightforward agenda to evangelize the best practices in the world of HR and L&D and source the solutions to the most pressing issues in employee development. This week, we are going to dive deep with the CHRO of Medicine, Ms. Krampi Munje. On how to break organization silos and make employee wisdom more accessible. Ms. Munji has been a champion of strategic HR intervention for close to three decades. Currently, she leads everything HR and people development at Medicine. With her expansive experience, she takes care of human resources, organizational development, training, administration, compliance, quality, and process audits at Medicine. Thank you so much, ma'am, for joining in and sharing your experience and insights on this episode.
1: Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. God so much. And thank you for such a wonderful uh, introduction.
0: So, you know, I was reading um, a couple of reports, one by Gartner out of 2020 and one of McKinsey of 2018, where they were talking about organizational silos, where uh, there's a very stark metric, which was shown over there that 20% of revenue potential Can be compensated because wisdom and knowledge stays in organizational silos moreover it reduces productivity by anywhere of six to eight hours per week of employees so i want to understand from you from your experience and your best practices that how do you ensure that you know within your team while leading such a large organization, how do you make sure that you know teams don't operate in silos? Because you are operating a team which is in multi-geography, multi geography, multi multi time zone, and multi skill sets. So how do you ensure that the teams back in medicine and the organization for which you previously worked for they don't operate in silos?
1: Yeah, you know uh, maybe I should start this by a small uh, story of the past era and the. Um, uh, manufacturing setup. And this particular story was so widely talked about whenever we would do anything that was related to quality. And uh, when I say quality, the entire genesis of uh, maybe I can speak of it a little later, but how you know potentially can be that. So it, it, it seems there was a soap manufacturing company mm-hmm. and they would manufacture these small soaps, and uh, occasionally they would have uh, com- customer complaints that they would end up getting an empty box. So there used to be no soap inside. Uh So uh, when those complaints started coming in, the management started thinking uh, what to do about it. So they called a lot of management gurus and uh, production gurus to figure out the solution that could really help as uh, everything is on the conveyor belt and things are manufacturing, how this could be done and avoided technically. So they all were coming up with complex solutions, technical solutions. And after months of trying to work on it, they were still not able to uh, figure out the exact solution. So they thought, let's go back to the shop floor and talk to the workers and see if uh, we put this problem over to them, and what they could do about it. Mm -hmm. So the person on the shop floor who was working on the conveyor belt. uh, They said, Okay, uh, the soaps are going. You know, some boxes are going empty. Uh, we have to ensure that no boxes go empty. Um, what could? You, what would you think? So it's very simple. Let's bring a big industrial fan and put it uh, at the end of the conveyor belt. So what? The, and let that fan blow off all the empty boxes. And that was a revelation to the management. That yes, uh, the workers down the line. Also, this was the context of you know having, uh, and this is the era wherein it was about the management and the workmen divide and that workmen also have brains and how in, including them into your problems can give you very, very, very simple solution uh, than having to really and envi- envi- envis- envisage a very complex solution, about what weight, this weight, uh, on the conveyor belt, putting monitors, you know, instead of coming up with a very complex solution, it was a very simple solution that the workman came out, came about. So this story actually came my way uh, because, you know, the quality output has to be quality. So this used to be a very common story that used to be talked about. So it is the same, you know, about, if the management was working in silo uh, and not taking the workmen into consideration back then, it was important that workmen's participation into problem-solving was very important. So this was my earliest lesson in um, uh, uh, that you know departments or sections in a company should not be working in silo. Sure. And uh, then, you know, back in the 90s, The great era started of uh, um, you know breaking these silos, and the approach started uh, with uh, something called as quality circles. Mm -hmm. So uh, quality circles again back then it was uh, manufacturing industry, and uh, quality circles typically focused on problems that the companies faced. So the uh, the group typically a quality circle would have anywhere between three people to 12 people. So that was the definition. And they would come up with some problem that uh, was there. And this used to typically be a cross-functional team or people from, uh, it 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 wasn't that, you know, just one team is talking, but it used to be a cross-functional team. So that knowledge from various other sections um, of the organization, came together to solve a problem. So that was the era of quality circles where the uh, silos uh, uh, in a way started breaking down. And I think this has continued uh, uh, progressively in a very systemic manner, I must say, and that continues today because you know I, I, this leads to uh, my I will come to medicine, but you know this uh, then came the culture quality circles typically, focused only on the quality and the problems that uh, a company faced. Yeah. yeah. So it was not so much about people, if you ask me. So the next uh, tool in the entire quality management that came was total quality management. So it to be called as TQM, And it had a structure. And of course, the most important aspect that TQM got in was culture. So, you know, yeah. people how You could create a culture of quality, how you could create a learning culture, etc. etc. So, I think the silos broke at a next level wherein you create a learning culture okay. uh, at a broader uh, level. Of course, the focus was c- customer, uh, uh, client services of uh, uh, basically quality products, zero color, zero error product. Then the, came the era, era of ISO again. You know when people are working together, but it went again a next step ahead. Um, and see, I'm talking of quality because you know at the end of it in an organization, silos have always been broken for want of quality service or quality product. Correct. And with ISO, they were uh, it was how do I give a quality product? So you know I must get the same output every time. to achieve that came that you know you have the same process that you repeat so that you get the same product Mm -hmm. right so you write a process follow it get a product and you also uh, you write as you do and you do as you write that is to be the a funder of uh, ISO. And that's where also people got uh, together. And of course, an ISO developed over decades, and uh, really uh, has gone leaps and bounds to get people together and uh, create a culture that is innovation, etc. Then um, CMMI, again, got went to a next level, where it uh, also got in behavioral aspect together. Uh-huh. And here is where the actual development uh, in the IT, I, I should say, IT companies, because CMMI was focused into the IT uh, on the IT industry. So here is where actually the behaviors uh, of people came into play, and that is where a very structured learning, development, etc., got integrated into the entire uh, quality and work framework of an organization. So in between we had knowledge management system that played the most important role in my opinion uh, in breaking the siloization because uh, it was a little impersonal way, but it was a repository of knowledge. So I could access the knowledge the way I want, where I want. Yeah, uh, yeah so maybe it's just a, on a server. There are. Multiple people putting multiple things. So if I go need something, I go search, look for something, yeah. get back. So in a way, I I must say KMS broke uh, those uh, silos, yeah. yeah? And uh, then uh, medicine, if I have to talk, we have used uh, push ISO of course, because we are ISO certified company. But uh, given my experience uh, with the all these systems that I spoke just now we have incorporated principles of many of these in our day-to-day work life Mm -hmm. and that is how we have uh, tried to um, make sure that we are all learning from each other uh, and all the time Mm -hmm. and you know another important aspect that I have used at medicine is uh, a structured OD program Mm -hmm. and which is again a cross-functional teams coming together to uh, achieve something that has helped medicine a lot. So
0: this is, this is very interesting and very comprehensive. Like, yeah, the whole aspect of inclusive intellect, right? Like I want to start from right from the start where, where people at the, on the shop floor who are normally ruled out because they're, they're doing mundane or, you know, repetitive activity and uh, the problems for the management gurus can't spot, you know, that could be crowdsourced. Um, And that happened by chance, right? That the conversation went over there. But then when TQM started happening and quality circles started happening, it started moving from it happening by chance to it happening through design. That can we start having more and more people involved in uh, in a very single point agenda of the company which i really liked what you said about you know if we want to deliver topmost quality every stakeholder within the company starts getting involved and the more the involvement more the amount of or amount of wisdom start going in this you know brings me to the to the next question about fusing intelligence or fusing wisdom of people because uh, in the in the world of organizational development 1 plus 1 is not 2 but 1 plus 1 is 11 Right. So, how do you how do you see getting employees together to work in a team or to get people from different silos to work together so that the output is not linear but but it's actually non-linear rather exponential?
1: Yeah. See, you know what happens when uh, typically when we form teams. So I'm just taking one uh, kind of a one time one context here. So, if there is uh, say uh, at medicine, if we have a large client that's coming our way and yes, we have to set up a team the one way is uh, just get people together and uh, put them to work uh, and then they will do the typical the uh, form norm storm kind of a thing and by the time uh, all the storming etc cetera, etc cetera, happens they will become a team but that takes a lot of time so to do away with this uh, what we have done is we use a complete od framework So uh, we have people who come in together, they get trained so that technical skills, uh, what they're going to be working on, they get leveled up there. And then we actually have a two to three days workshop with all these people, uh, 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 an ODI workshop, wherein um, people get to know each other. People know what are, uh, they experience each other's strengths. They experience where they can leverage whom if they have to really succeed. And we build a kind of uh, a real uh, friendship, in a way, I must say, or a goodwill amongst these people. And uh, when we do that, we have always seen that uh, the the team really thrives. They Mm -hmm. get going and start delivering, I must say, from day one or day two, because they're all so much together, they're all so charged up, and uh, when they go, actually they go on the floor to work, they practically know each other, they practically know each person as a human being, because they have experienced we have given that experience to them. And that's where everyone's inner strength, and see, One is I may do software, software, Java, someone may do um, .NET, something, something, you know, different skills. But those are known things. Those are visible things. And what is more not visible is your inner self. And when people get to know those inner qualities of a person and inner strengths of people, I think that's where uh, the real um, uh, teamwork shows. And that's where the Common, the combined intellect of everyone is at play.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, this is a very important point, especially for large organizations, people just get clubbed together as teams and, and their identity is at max what role they are doing. But I think a deeper sense of identity starts getting developed when people are actually working Shoulder by shoulder to solve a critical problem, and, and that's where that, that human connect starts developing. And I would and yeah. like to word that you know they start thriving. Sorry, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is what you know one can call as like, uh, one can call as compounding intelligence because then one plus one is not two, yeah, and then you know it is much more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, ma'am, this gets me to the last question, and uh. Throughout my interactions with you, you've come across as a leader which always focuses on what is the business impact of any kind of initiative, right? So when we're talking about intelligence or breaking silos, sometimes it is at the risk of coming across as abstract when we say employees are thriving or employees are are feeling better when they're working with each other, but what according to you can be the business case of of when organizational silos are broken does it contribute to the top line does it reduce the bottom line what kind of business cases have you seen in your experience which which can get reflected on the balance sheet
1: yeah so uh see uh we can always come up with a number but uh, trust me um, any of these initiatives when you have to uh, come up with the roi for it uh,
0: right.
1: i know uh, maybe two and a half or two decades ago I had actually created a mathematical model uh, to come up with an ROI. Uh, and later when I was uh, in a workshop um, with the fathers of the entire this entire concept of ROI, and that is the Kirkpatrick model. Uh, and actually Mr. Kirkpatrick told me that this is a fantastic model. But you know, it is best that organizations don't do it. Do it mathematically because it is just too tedious. And right. and you know that was a validation in a way for me because I was able to present what I was doing to them mm-hmm. and this mathematical model that I was planning to uh, implement to develop, to actually show the uh, money value to all the. Uh, things that the organization was doing and they actually told me they you you, one need not go to that level. Mm -hmm. Having said that, um, the organizations benefit in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. One is, Mm -hmm. if you create a team or if uh, you create a learning culture, that is people trust each other. Your uh, speed Mm -hmm. increases tremendously. Mm -hmm. You will not find the usual conflict within when when people are really they gel well with each other you will not see conflict conflicts will always happen but you know they're resolved in a very amicable way and they're resolved in an amicable way for the simple reason because intent is not questioned and i think in an organization there can always be uh, difference of opinion But as long as the intent is not in question, things are very, very simple. And I think this translates into extra time for every executive uh, in the team. Uh, I don't know if you think hard what I'm saying, it'll make great sense to you. If if people can resolve their uh, differences Mm -hmm. quickly without questioning their intent, the speed of that trust yeah. for in your execution is so immense, so immense. Yeah. And trust me, you will actually see in such kind of working environment, the bosses will not be copied on emails. Yeah. Yeah, usually bosses get copied on emails because everyone wants to save themselves, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, that in turn increases the bosses' jobs of having to read so many emails. Or you know, get into resolution mode. But once you are able to eliminate this aspect, yeah. you will see so much time that is saved. And yeah. for you, for any organization, if the same thing can be done with within less time or with less number of people and less effort in general. I think that is the biggest yeah. ROI.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and moreover, that you, the moment I am I am thriving or I am working. In an environment which which is very trusting and which is very accommodating i think my natural output my productivity my absenteeism will go down my productivity will will start increasing plus my contribution towards the the company that you know i'll stop doing bare minimum but i will go beyond beyond what is expected out of me to to run the longer mile so so all that at a at a magnum level. It's like all the employees sharing this kind of an attitude. I think it's a very exponential effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. And see, uh, just now, if you ask me, uh, I'm thinking of one step ahead, mm-hmm. or I have been thinking of using technology. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, knowledge, like I spoke, knowledge management is more, um, mm, there is things that are kept there. Mm-hmm. I go, I look for it,
0: yeah. and then I get. But, yeah. you know,
1: something, if I can get, just as I have a question Correct. and people who are shy, who don't speak, who are introvert, but who are great people, yeah. uh, if they get an opportunity to participate in sharing their knowledge, uh, they're the hidden gems. I think the organization will uh, benefit immensely from finding these hidden gems and that is knowledge on the go, uh, which is beneficial for anyone who wants you know if they are able to use technology really well Mm -hmm. ask the question to get not uh, answer not from one source but you know you have maybe 10 or 12 sources that give you those answers Uh, just imagine the kind of uh, 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 culture that can get formed just by this
0: yeah and and in fact the hidden gems the employee life cycle of these hidden gems will increase tremendously
1: absolutely quickly. absolutely for you know who doesn't like limelight yeah. everyone likes limelight uh, but you know people uh, generally who are more extroverted or who love to come ahead and speak those people get noticed um, faster right. but uh, i think organizations have to make effort in uh, focusing and finding these uh, Hidden gems and nurturing them in their teams and in their organization because uh, they, are, they are one of the best guys, solid guys that you'll find around.
0: And, and there'll be future leaders, right? Yeah. The organization. Perfect. This, this has been very insightful, ma'am. This has been very helpful. Thank you so much for taking out the time and uh, sharing all your experiences and insights. I'm very thankful and I'm very grateful, in fact, that you, know, you took off the time and, and shared all your experiences with us. Yes, thank you, um, Omkrat. Thank you for having me. Great. Yeah, bye. 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 This podcast was brought to you by Beehive.io. Beehive is an AI enabled platform which helps organizations manage their tribal knowledge and promote peer learning at the workplace. To stay updated about all the best practices in the world of learning and development and human resources, Please make sure to stay subscribed.